0: Episode 127 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the brilliant actress and singer Jane Horrocks when she was one of Britain's hottest young stars. Jane had gained critical acclaim in Mike Lee's 1991 film Life is Sweet as Nicola who suffers from bulimia. In 1992, she began playing the quirky character Bubble in the long-running hit TV sitcom Absolutely Fabulous. This interview took place in 1993, in London, where Jane was starring in the play The Rise and Fall of Little Voice, which had been written specially for her. She portrayed reclusive Laura, known as Little Voice, or LV for short, whose life is turned upside down after she's overheard impersonating her favourite singers while hiding in her bedroom. I began by asking Jane what other work she had lined up.
1: I'm doing a film after I finish the play. I'm doing a, a film with Chris Menges called Second Best. And it's about um, a man who's trying to get a little boy for adoption. And he's a single man in his late 30s. And it's, it's sort of about the difficulties that he has of getting the child. And it's really about their lives. Mm-hmm. And I play the social worker that sort of helps him get the child which Mm. is quite a different sort of thing for me to do Mm. because i usually play the people on the other side of it the victims so it's it's quite nice to actually play somebody who's very much in control of the situation is that
2: why you chose it
1: yeah yeah
2: when does that start filming and whereabouts will that be that's
1: in wales
2: all the high spots
1: Mm. oh yeah i never get the glamorous locations Mind you, the last time I worked in Wales, I had a great time, so hopefully I'll repeat that. Mm-hmm. What was that on? <laughs> a film for the BBC called Heartland, with, about farmers, mm-hmm. with Anthony Hopkins. So and then after that, I'm doing this film, which I, I don't particularly want to talk about because the deal hasn't actually been right. properly settled yet, so I think it would be a, silly to talk about that. But that's also in Wales, and I'm playing a Welsh girl in that. And then there's this possibility of the play going to New York, so... Right. That's my year. <laughs>
2: right, If Little Voice does go to New York, that's it, you're definitely going to go?
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Is it going to be the same cast, or are you going to have to it? Well, they're
1: hoping to get the whole company and take it as a national theatre yeah. production over yeah. there, which would be brilliant. I, I just hope that happens, because it would be a nightmare having to rehearse with, with Americans yeah. trying to do Lancashire accents. <laughs> but Americans in the whole, but doing Lancashire accents. Mm. I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty difficult for Americans, I think.
2: So they're not going to consider doing an American version of it.
1: Oh no, they've bought the film rights and they're going to do an American version of of the films. You know, which I think will be dreadful.
2: Are you going to go for that?
1: Well, no, because they'll probably get Madonna to do it. <laughs> No, I think it's a great shame because I think that's what's so wonderful about the play that you hear all these, you know, songs coming out of some northern back street. Whereas in America, because they are American songs, it will just seem sort of everyday, mm. and I don't, I don't think it'll have as much impact as as it does coming out of, you know, sort of poverty stricken Lancashire.
2: Mm. So there's no fight for it to be a British movie, in
1: Well, yeah, I mean there were lots of offers for films to be made of it and quite a, quite a lot of British offers, but I think they were sort of very influenced by the, the money mm. side of it, and that was the best deal that they got.
2: Will you be a bit miffed, then, if it goes stateside and with Madonna or whoever?
1: Uh, no, because I, it's been a great success in the West End, and I've enjoyed do, doing the play. It's, I mean, it's just one of those things that you've got to accept. Mm. I mean, it's like when they did the lilies on on the stage, and Alan Rickman and... Lindsay Duncan didn't get the film, you know, mm. it went to Americans. Actually, the f- I thought the film was great. Mm. I thought it really worked. But uh, the play really worked as well, mm. and I remember both very vividly. So as long as they still remember the play, that's, you know... I mean, it's just tough that, that it's happened like this. and um, you, you, you can't be thinking, mm, crying over it, because it's happened, you yeah. know, and they've sold it, and that's that.
2: The thing about being in a play, though, is you don't have a permanent record of it. It's just, as you said, as long as people remember it it be there's, nice to have it on film. Yeah, them, you
1: know? well, there's talk that it might be done for the BBC. I don't know whether you've seen any of this performance series. So hopefully that will happen because they'll, they'll film pretty much what the players being been on stage, right. which, which would, would be great. Um, and it would be the same cast and the same directors. So it, that'd be nice to have, to have that sort of record right. with
2: it. A Little Voice was written for you, is that, is that yeah. right? So how did that come about?
1: Well, Jim Cartwright knew that I could do these impersonations and and just wrote a play around it.
2: And when you first saw the play, did you fall in love with it immediately? Did you think this is... Or did you have any say in the writing of it?
1: Um, No, I didn't, because originally it was going to be sort of like the character was much more vivacious and, you know, sort of extrovert with the impersonations, which I think would have got very tedious. Mm -hmm. I think people would have looked at it in a very different way, whereas now I think it's more... (laughs) The essence of the women that's important, and that mm. the character it lives through the women. Whereas I think if, if she'd have been a show off with the impersonations, they would have had absolutely been really spot on. And I, I just think it's, it comes as much more of a surprise to the audience the way it's happened that mm. she is reticent about doing them, and that it is just purely for herself it was very interesting reading the first script because, you know, a friend of mine said, oh, I don't know whether you're going to be happy with it or not because, it, you know, the character doesn't have a lot to say. And on the page, the character doesn't have a lot to say, but actually she's there all the time. Mm. And I think yeah. that's a real challenge to yeah. to make people remember you when you don't. I mean, it's like a next character, you know, who plays Seda. Yeah. She makes so much of that character and mm. she has, like, about six lines to say okay. all the way through. And I, I just think... You know, people say, oh, I could do that standing on my head. Well, you can't. I mean, they're very, very difficult parts to play, to make them sympathetic and interesting with very little material.
2: Mm. How does it feel to have a play written for you? That must be incredibly flattering.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, you know, I knew that I had this ability to mimic, and I thought, I wonder if I'll ever be able to use it, you know, Mm. in anything. And, you know, I just happened to be friendly with Jim Cartwright and told him about it, and... You know, I mean, it was lovely that that he wrote something that I, I was able to use, this facility that I've got.
2: Have you now been offered the chance to do a sort of show doing impressions and things on the television?
1: I was offered a slot in Bobby Davros, but I turned it down.
2: <laughs> can't really see you in Bobby <laughs> Davros.
1: <laughs> I mean, cos I'm not an impersonator, I'm not Faith Brown. Mm. That's not what I do. Mm. No, I, 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 that just wouldn't interest me.
2: Do you think this is as far as your impressioning and and mimicking is going to go?
1: Well, I mean, I don't see where else it can go. I mean, I I impersonate these singers and um, this play has been a great vehicle to show that off. Another play can't be written Mm. around me me doing Mm. impersonations of singers because it's been done now. But I just think that enough people have seen it to know that I can do it. It would be nice to be able to put it down on record. I mean, it's a thing that I've always got and I can always do. But you can't overuse something like that because people get fed up a bit after a bit and say, so, mm. hell yeah, she is again doing her impersonation. So, you know, whatever. I mean, I've I've had a chance to do it and that's wonderful. Mm.
2: Uh, two of the people you impersonated are still alive, Scylla and, uh, and Shirley and bassi what, mm. what did they think of your impressions? Have you met Scylla as well?
1: Um, no, I haven't met Scylla. Right. I don't even know whether... I mean, I only say one line of Scylla's and have a couple of songs right. later on. Just a little bit of her singing but I, I shouldn't imagine it's Scylla's scene, really. <laughs> but it's funny, because um, I was asking somebody if they remembered Scylla's show years ago. Do you remember her show?
2: Yeah, yeah. Bit, yeah.
1: She used to do little play acts, didn't she? Yes, yeah,
2: she did, these little skits. I, I
1: used to love that mm. show, and hardly anybody remembers it. Right. I don't even know what it was called. Yeah. What was it called?
2: Probably something like, here's Silla or
1: something.
2: Yes. <laughs> here's Silla. Here's, here's Lulu. So what did Shirley Bassey say to you about your impression? Did she talk to you about it?
1: Well, she came to see the show, but I don't know what she thought of it.
2: But when she saw you on the Des O'Connor show, didn't she talk to you then about it?
1: Well, she, she hadn't seen the impersonations because um, she was, um, when I was on doing my bit on Des O'Connor, she was shaving her armpits. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I, I'm quite amused by it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine went to see Little Voice and, and Carly Benoga's in the audience. Have you had quite a few famous people backstage? To yeah, I remember when about.
1: Carly came. Because there's a line in it about Kylie.
2: Oh, there is, isn't there? Yeah.
1: And she, I'm sure she thought we'd just put it in specifically because mm. she was there, but egomaniac. Um, it's all right. <laughs>
2: Good thing the whole Jackson 5 didn't turn up. Really. I
1: know. <laughs> but I just think that's, that's typical of, you know, like starry thing, you know. Oh, oh yeah, they put a line in. Well, no, she's Australian. She, you know, you just think, no, it just happened to no, be in way. anyway. But, uh, no, I was much more impressed because Chrissy Hyne was in that night. Well, apparently I've seen it about four times. Really? Mm. And, I mean, I think she's brilliant.
2: Have you had many celebrities backstage, though, to congratulate you and so on?
1: Um, no, a lot of the celebrities have been, but they haven't come backstage, which I sort of really admire, because I think that's really naff when people mm. come backstage afterwards. It's like, oh, I'm a celebrity, so I have a, a right to come backstage. Mm. like Al Pacino came, who's a pretty big star, isn't he? And mm. he never came back. But we've had nice notes, like Jeff Goldblum and Lorna Dern came, and they, they left a really nice note, send the lights up. And, mm. and um, Kathleen Turner came, but she left at the interval, because <laughs> she <laughs> she didn't understand the word of it, I oh, believe. Dear. Joan Collins came, <clears throat> she came round afterwards.
2: So You obviously had rave reviews and so on. What's the biggest compliment or the best tribute you were paid, do you think, out of all?
1: Frank Rich gave me a really, You know, the American... The butcher of Broadway. Yeah, yeah. He, he came and saw it, and... and gave me a very, very good review and that, that was meant a hell of a lot. Mm. It was just before Christmas. It was the night that Carly was in mm. and it was um, a huge compliment to a great, great Christmas <laughs> present.
2: Mm. Were you surprised at the acclaim that the play and your performance got?
1: Well, because it, was, it wasn't an easy rehearsal period because we spent a hell of a lot to, of time working on the play. So really we had very little time.
2: Yeah, obviously... Uh, Little voice and um, absolutely fabulous, and so on, and getting you a lot of acclaim at the moment. But you, you've been steadily in work since you left drama school, haven't you, really? Yeah. Does it, it seem strange now to suddenly have this surge of fame and notoriety and acclaim?
1: Um, or is this what you've
2: been building up to?
1: I suppose you never know what it's going to be on that that, that is going to do it for you, and it, and it's sort of. Timing is very important with, with things, you know, I mean, you could you could do something and it could be absolutely brilliant, but it just happens to come out at the wrong time. And, you know, people either don't watch it or it's just not appropriate to what people want to see at that time. I mean, it all started really with, with Life is Sweet and and it was just, I think, what people wanted to see at that time. And it was good in America because I think they were a bit fed up with all these blockbuster sort mm-hmm. of action movies and and just like something, you know, s- simply about a family. that That is when it all started, and then, you know, such sort a of little voice happened, and absolutely fabulous. And um, 92 was, I suppose, the year that it did sort of mm. all come together.
2: Could you see it happening? Could you see it coming, or were you surprised?
1: No, I knew that 92 would be a good year.
2: Did you? How mm. did you know that?
1: I just had a feeling it would be. Really? Mm.
2: Does it frighten you, how, you, how big you've become, as it were, well, or how highly rated you are now?
1: you ever know as as yourself what people think of you I mean I'm just still the same in in my opinion you know I mean I don't I mean I'm not like what we're talking about household names I'm not a household name and I mean I suppose I am respected more in the business which is a nice thing you know I I think that's lovely for that to happen Mm -hmm. I suppose the same in what projects I can do now people do Offer me things mm. instead of me having to go through an audition period, and I mean, th- what well, that's happened this year anyway, and it, and it happened last year, which which is nice.
2: But do you feel pressure on you at the moment?
1: Um, no, no, not at all, no.
2: What about being recognised and so on and?
1: and... I'm recognised very little. You know, I've had a few people stop me in the streets for uh, for absolutely fabulous and little voice, but. I think because I look quite different in, mm. in the stuff that I do, that, that people do. I mean, like, after life is sweet. Very, very few people recognise yeah. me.
2: Do you think your voice gives it away, though? You yes,
1: as soon yeah. as I open my mouth, they know where I am. You,
2: ha, <laughs> have you considered um, changing no. your... You knew what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <myself>. <laughs> because they, I was reading in the newspaper the other day, they were saying that... Um, Northern accents have become very trendy at the moment. I'll have they? Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you've done something to help that. Well. <laughs> more people can get jobs if mm-hmm. they have a Northern accent than a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been under any pressure to, to change it, though? To get elocution lessons? And...
1: No, I mean, I did have elocution lessons when I was a kid. And, um, I mean, it was just ridiculous, because there's no way that I could have started speaking posh at school. So, I mean, I just went to sort of learn how to, how to do speeches, really. Um, and how to breathe properly. I mean, I remember when I was at, at school doing Shakespeare and we were, we were studying Merchant of Venice and the quality of mercy's speech. We were, we all had to read out bits of it oh. at school. I mean, everybody hated Shakespeare and it was just a, a nightmare doing it. But I'd learned the quality of mercy. And so I read it out in, in standard English accent and everybody would go up and write, <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, I, I just became the laughing stock of the class. Um, and even the teacher was, like, <laughs> looking at me as if I'd come off the moon. It's not a thing that I could have really put into practice whilst I was at home. And, you know, I mean, it's part of me. If I'd have mm. lost my accent, I would have become a completely different person. And I just think that that's, you know, part of my individuality, which I think is incredibly important. I
2: imagine your family would have been pretty shattered as well if you... Spoken posh all of a
1: sudden. Oh no, I think they would have liked it. It's were they? sort of a bit like inverted snobbery, really. I right. think they said, oh yes, no, yes, it's all right you keep doing these northern parts, but when are you going to do something in standard English? <laughs> I think I don't want to do anything in standard English. I'm quite happy.
2: Your family, you were saying earlier, are very proud of you now. I mean, mm. how, how, are they, how have they taken to your success and your public image and so on?
1: Oh, they love it. I mean, they're not braggarts in any way. Um, you know, they're not the sort of typical show based parents. They they don't you know sort of push it or or become boring about mm. it. I mean um, they they're both very understated about mm. about what's what's happened. Is yeah, it? and they're incredibly supportive. They're, I mean, tr- terrific parents.
2: It Must be nice now that they know you're established and they've got little, they've uh, got less to worry about. Cause presumably in the early I think
1: they still worry. I mean, mm. as all parents do. Mm. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking for a, a new place to live before Christmas and I found somewhere which was quite expensive and my mum was worrying about the expense and saying, mm. you never know what job's coming to come up next. You know, when I've sort of done quite well mm. in these last couple of years and you just think, well, I, I think I'm sort of OK, actually, Mum.
2: <laughs> Can you give us an example of the sort of support they've been? I mean, they, they come and see your show regularly and they, they see everything you do on telly and so
1: yeah on. they see everything that I do and um, they just really support him not critical and you know very complimentary about about what I do
2: how do they feel about you in life is sweet because it's quite a tragic character in a way
1: yeah they, they they thought it was good life is sweet in the chocolate scene my dad did look up at the screen and <laughs> went, is that my daughter up there <laughs>
2: <laughs> how do you feel watching it
1: well, I mean, it's a pretty shocking scene. It shocks me, even, because mm. it, how it's photographed. That, I mean, it comes bang straight into that scene, and it's mm. not like there's no lead-up to it. I mean, it's not like panning along the body. It's wham! You're <laughs> there! So, yes, it, it it is quite a shocking thing, and I should imagine it's extremely shocking for parents to mm. see their daughter up there like that. But, I mean, that was a character, so...
2: Did you have warning that that was what it was going to be like? You knew all along that was what you are going to have
1: to do? No, because it's improvised. All might lead stuff improvise. So yeah. you build a character from scratch. So actually me and Mike created that character from, from scratch. I yeah. mean it, it was actually based on somebody that I know. Yeah. And that was a springboard for the character. But it and then it goes off in all sorts of different directions. But I mean that was what we decided the character enjoyed sexually. I mean when it came to the crunch that 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 is what we knew she did. I mean mm. we discussed that in rehearsal, that, that, you know, that's what she did with, with her boyfriend. And, um, and then Mike said, would you be prepared to, you know, put this on film? I said, well, yeah, because, you know, it is the character.
2: You're not embarrassed at all, people are watching it and that sort of thing?
1: Well, no, actually, it's more embarrassing when you're actually doing it than, mm. than uh, you, you don't think about the, the thousands of people that are going to be watching it when it actually comes out. It's just those eight people in the room at the mm. time.
2: Mm. What about uh, you in Chocolate? Did it put you off for a while?
1: Well, no, because I didn't have to lick it off.
2: (laughs) You said that that character was based on someone you knew. Did you actually talk to that person that you knew or did you not tell them? Do they not know? Oh,
1: no, because I haven't seen the girl. I mean, he usually chooses somebody who he hasn't seen for years. So, no, no, I, I, I shouldn't imagine she even knows it's based on her.
2: But you knew that was the sort of thing she got up to?
1: Well, no, she didn't necessarily get up to that. I mean, as I said when you start improvising, that is literally just a springboard for the character, mm. basing it on somebody you know. And then it does go off in lots of different directions. I mean, this, this girl that I know wasn't anorexic. Mm. And um, the chocolate s- sex scene mm. was um, all linked with the anorexia.
2: Was it quite frightening playing an anorexic?
1: Um, no, not really, because, I mean, if I had have been anorexic, I suppose, you know... Well, if I'd have been an anorexic, I wouldn't have done that scene. wouldn't have done it? No, I don't. I I mean, anorexics, I'm I'm sure, wouldn't have allowed themselves to, you know, expose what they do in such Mm. a way.
2: Did it get to you at all?
1: It did on certain occasions, yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, I can't deny that it stayed with me for longer than I thought it would. I mean, by the end of it, I was sort of quite glad to shed the character because she was so unhappy. And... um, you know, sort of work that followed that, I find it difficult to sort of play happy parts after yeah. that, because you just think, I, I'd spent so long, you know, five months being this misery guts who, mm. who, you know, hated life. And then...
2: Have you never had any sort of problems of that sort at all yourself, to
1: no. base it on? No, I haven't. And a lot of people assume just because I'm thin that I'm anorexic. Right. But, you know, I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that, yeah. than just being thin.
2: Was it quite fun playing her being so rude and um, upfront with people? Was it quite fun? Um, yeah, it
1: was actually, because you just thought, you know, you can never do this in real life without sort of having panics about how um, you'd hurt the person. Mm. And yeah, it was great to think, oh, I can be rude to this person, and it doesn't matter because we're acting.
2: <laughs> and both that character and LV as well, they quite insecure girls. Why do you mm. think you got picked to play such characters?
1: I think a, a lot of it has to do with my size and that, you know, sort of smallness. You know, people think vulnerability, you mm. know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that is, that is why. But, I, I mean, I don't think they're at all weak people because they, they have strengths. I mean, Elvie mm. has her strength in her, in her singing. She does become a different person when she sings. And and Nicola, you know, sort of did have a bullshit strength. And mm. all the characters that I've played are... Mm. I mean they they've not been wimps.
2: Can you see yourself in, in either of those characters in L V or Nicola?
1: Yeah. Is there much of you in there? Um well not so much in L V because I think I'm a lot more extrovert than the character of L V. Yeah. But um in Nicola I could in that you know, she was very impressionable and I remember going to college and thinking, you know, I'm getting all these left wing ideas and then coming coming back home and sort of preaching to my parents <laughs> and um you know, sort of shouting them down because they're conservative. And now you just, you know, sort of, people do what they want to do. Mm. People have a choice, and Nicola never saw it like that, and I didn't when I was a teenager.
2: Speaking of parents, the mother-daughter relationship in both those productions Mm. is is pretty crucial, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How how is your own relationship with your parents and your mother in particular? Does it bear any resemblance? Very, very
1: good, no. No resemblance
2: at all. So what did your mother think of it?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think she ever thought anything of it. You know, we're playing characters. And that's what makes it interesting there. Yeah.
2: What of your background, if it's, just, it's a convenient point to uh, talk about that, you were born up in Lancashire, weren't mm. you? And um, did you spend all the time up there when you were a child or did you move around the countryside?
1: No, no I spent most of my time there. No, I did spend all my time there.
2: You got brothers and sisters?
1: Yeah, two brothers. Clyde and Alistair. Alistair is a motor mechanic mm-hmm. and Claude an, works for a firm of accountants and he's my accountant as well.
2: He must be doing alright then. <laughs> <laughs> what about your parents? What sort of business were they in?
1: My mum is a ward aide in a hospital and my father is a sales representative for an electrical firm.
2: Are they still living in the same village where you were yep, born?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a small town called Rotenstall. I mean, it's you know, a sweet little town, very hilly mm-hmm. and.
2: It's um, so quite industrial.
1: Um, yeah, there are a lot of factories I mean, it's mainly sort of like either bedding or shoes <laughs> that they do in these factories it used to be cotton, but it's not obviously not anymore.
2: Was there any f- showbiz element in your family at all in your ancestry or your um, grandparents, or? my
1: My grandma used to be a singer, she really wanted to be a professional singer, but never happened but um she was a she was a trained singer that is the only connection, connection that I can mm. think of.
2: And when you were at school, did you show signs of being a show-off or a performer?
1: Well, yeah, because I used to do these impersonations when I was right. at school. So we used to have a new faces. Uh, thing. Uh, yes, yeah. at, uh, at lunchtime. So mm. we, we used to quickly have our dinner and then race back for new faces. Mm-hmm. And then I'd do requests and, and, uh, and I'd score points on who was the best. All right,
2: so you did impressions <laughs> of your schoolmates and your teachers and things like that.
1: Not so much, no, there they they were usually people like Bassy or Ursula. People that were quite well known. Mm.
2: Did your impressions and so on make you very popular at school?
1: Yes, I was very friendly with a girl who was like top dog at the school, who mm. was very, very popular, and I was her best friend. Mm. But I think the sort of, the mixture of her being popular and me being able to do impersonations mm. made us like, you know, this sort of double act. Mm.
2: Did you do a lot of school plays and so on? Or?
1: No, I only did one. I think it was called Playgoers, and I was I was really more interested in doing my O-levels and, and mm. getting, you know, I was obsessed with revising and, and getting my exams, because I thought I would never get on otherwise, I mean, and O-levels mean absolutely zilch mm. now, I mean, it doesn't matter how many you get. Um, was that
2: was pressure from your parents to be... To no, be?
1: no, just me. I just, right. I'm just i obsessive like that.
2: Were your parents aware of this talent of yours? Oh,
1: yes, yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to do it, um, mm. and then when my mum and dad had parties, their friends always used to say, oh, do Silla, do, do, do Shirley. Well, it used to be always Shirley Bassett actually. And uh, my mum myself, oh, no, no, she's not doing that, no, she's not doing it. I mean, she never was a parent who'd say, mm. oh, yes, get up, get up, get up. It was mainly their friends who would encourage mm-hmm. me to do it. Um, Did you
2: take some encouraging, or were you quite easily... Oh, prepared? no, no, I
1: took a lot of encouraging. I mean, yeah. I... I I used to get very embarrassed about it, but mm. I'd eventually do it and then love mm. it, you know, when they adored it. <laughs> but, what was the, um, it was the
2: first example of that? Did you like hide behind your parents' curtains and pop out one day and do Shirley Bassey, or how did it no, start? I, don't,
1: I, I really don't know. I must have just, you know, because they used to watch her her, her television show. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I I used to watch it as well. I I really adored her. I thought mm. she was great, and so I, I just used to. I must have just picked it up whilst whilst watching her really i mean i have got a very good ear for accents and mm. it I, it must have just happened you know i mean i did the same with um barbara streisand after a star is born came out i mean i just became absolutely obsessed with barbara streisand went to the hairdressers wanted a curly perm like hers and it didn't quite look the same as a plastic <laughs> nose <laughs> but you know i just mm. wanted to look like her and speak like her and you know you sing all the songs from a star is born in the bath
2: do you think there was an element of of hoping that one day you would be like them or was it just a bit of fun
1: oh yeah i mean i i became obsessed with american and stardom and it did all come together after a star is born came Mm. on i think i'd be about 14 15 just love that film and America, my parents couldn't mention America at one point. They had to call it Ebden Bridge instead. And I remember flinging myself down on this bench in our kitchen table when they said America. I went, like, oh, 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 I want to go to America so much. And it was just so, so dramatic and <laughs> terrible. Did they
2: ever uh, promise to take you there? Was that the idea they'd say when you're a certain age? They're... Oh,
1: no, 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 <laughs> they didn't. But they did have to use this code name and call it Ebden Bridge. When we called it Ebden Bridge. <laughs> 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 and then I'd go into a crying fit again. And I, I mean, the first time I went to America was in New York and I had a terrible time.
2: When was this? Then?
1: That was in 1990. At the beginning of so you 1990.
2: Were well established as an actress by then, you? Well,
1: I was just about to do Mike Lee's film. Right. And I didn't have a good time. Then I, after I'd finished Mike's film, I went to Los Angeles and had a great time. Mm.
2: Was it what you'd <laughs> hoped to, it was going to be in America?
1: No, it wasn't, because I'd I'd had so great expectations of it after seeing things on the films. And it's so different, you know, because I'd no... with no status going over to to New York. So I went over on my birthday, and um, we went to this sort of flash restaurant that a friend of mine had booked. And, like, we just got off the plane, and they made us wait for about an hour before we got seated. And, you know, other people who were famous were, you know, swanning in and going straight to a table... And and I, I just hated all that. I just hated the fact that I didn't feel safe there. Yeah. And that, you know, i would be walking around the streets quite happily, you know, you'd go and meet to a casting direction, and they'd say, well, how do you feel in, uh, in in New York? Do you feel comfortable? And say, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. They said, well, don't always be on your guard. And I thought, hell, oh, this is people who actually live here mm. and they're telling me this. And I, I just find that a bit, you know, sort of upsetting. And there were other things as well which made it quite difficult, but... What do
2: you think you had this thing about going to America? I just think
1: because it was films and it just seemed so romantic and sort of glamorous and, you know, whereas, I mean, you were seeing it from a character's point of view in films and, and just the whole American way of speaking mm. and it just seemed so much more glamorous.
2: Well, let's talk about what you do in your spare time and what sort of, what sort of things would you do if you had some spare time?
1: Go on holiday, <laughs> eat and sleep. <laughs> yeah, those are the, the things that I like best doing
2: You're a great one for the movies?
1: Uh, yeah, I like films, yeah I like going to see films I'd do that a lot if I had the time
2: What about mm. TV? Do you watch a lot of TV?
1: I don't, actually I don't really enjoy watching TV that much I quite like watching videos Settle down to a nice big meal In front of a telly, mm. and a video
2: That's <laughs> your idea of bliss, isn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah. So because you're at the West End Doing a play and everything else does You save your moments at home a great deal
1: yeah, I love, because I have quite a very, well, I have a very hectic social life. and we always seem to be out doing something. You know, and I thought, oh, great, I'll start in this theatre job. I'll have all my days free and I'll be able to just do whatever I want. And it's not like that. <laughs> to have a night in on my own or a day in is a real bliss.
2: Mm. <laughs> do you find it easy to relax? Are you quite good or are you... Mm. Quite mm. Yeah. yeah. What about cooking and so on? Are you into that sort of thing? And know you a bit of a connoisseur.
1: I like cooking for myself but nobody else because I don't like that pressure of having to please. I mean, I like my cooking but somebody else might think it's disgusting. I don't like that pressure because it makes me not enjoy them. Mm. I mean, I eat typically northern stuff like Lancashire hot pot and potato pie, really stodgy big stuff. And So like, I make myself a huge plate and I'm sure people who were in Nouvelle New- Cuisine would think it was revolting.
2: Do you eat out much? Do you go know to a restaurant
1: and things? Yeah, I eat okay. out quite a lot. I don't like eating out every night. Some mm. people do eat out every night, don't they? I don't enjoy that.
2: It's amazing you're saying how much you eat, and yet you are, you know, quite a small framed mm. girl. Is, where do you think it all goes to? How do you, how do you manage? Where other girls, unfortunately, can't.
1: <laughs> I hate to be like that. <laughs> I just burn it off really quickly. don't do any exercise at all.
2: <laughs> you're sounding terrible. Isn't mm? <laughs> Sounds like you have a terrible lifestyle. <laughs>
1: Yeah, eat, sleep, and no exercise.
2: Mm. <laughs> and do you ever walk?
1: I used to when I lived in Lancashire, cos um, we've got this great range of hills, and I like to go for walks when I go home, cos my mum and dad have got a dog, so right. I take the dog out. But um, not as much as I do. But I actually walk quite a lot around London, cos I don't have a car. Right. So I walk from tube stations and bus stations or whatever. So I do do quite a lot of walking over London. And I consider running up and down those stairs in the play my exercise for the week. It gets me heart beating. <laughs> well,
2: what about things like music and, and fashion and so on? Are you into all that? Are you? What sort? Of, I mean, you you sing, obviously, sort of fairly middle of the road things in in this show. What music? Are you into that kind of music? Are You into Shirley Bassey and Judy Garland and so on?
1: Yeah, Judy Garland, particularly. I could listen to her anywhere, anytime. She'd been my desert island discs. Oh, <laughs> I don't particularly like current-day music. It's all right in a disco for one night, but it's not music I could listen to at home. Do you go to Not much.
2: No. So your record collection at home is quite similar to LV's, is it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's exactly the same.
2: So is that partly why this was written
1: for mm. you? Oh, yeah, because the, the impersonations, the records that are used in the play, were to suit my impersonations. Right. So I chose who the singers would be. So, I mean, they all are singers that I like.
2: What about your fellow Lancastrian, Lisa Stansfield, are you a fan?
1: Not really, no. I think she's got a great voice, but I don't think the songs are unique enough. They don't move me. And that's what I like about Judy Garland's music. It's just so moving. I mean, I admire Lisa Stansfield because she's kept with her roots and, you know, people often say, why, why don't you move away from Rochdale?" And she, she's quite happy there. And that's where she's sticking. I think that's really nice. She just seems to be a sweet girl, you know, who mm. has a great voice. But I can't say that I've rushed out and both any of their albums.
2: Do you think you will go back to Lancashire eventually? Do you, can you see yourself... Living there? Yes.
1: No. There's a house that I really like there. But it's the house rather than Lancashire.
2: Mm. <laughs> if your career takes off in America, you, you won't move over there at all? You, you have no intention of doing that?
1: Not at the moment, no. I don't like it enough there. I think it's great for a holiday, but not to live.
2: So you're never going to get swept away by the Hollywood thing?
1: I think it probably breeds insanity. <laughs> mm.
2: Is it difficult to stay balanced, keep your feet on the ground in this business?
1: No, I think so. But I think England does it very well, because people don't let like, you get away with that. You don't get that pampering that you get in America. For a start, people don't have the money to do that over a year. I mean, what, what you haven't got, you don't expect.
2: Are you doing a lot of things now which you'd always wanted to do and, and that you're now getting the chance to do because you're a name?
1: Yeah, I, didn't, I mean, I'm doing this play, which I never thought I'd get a mm-hmm. chance to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm doing something which I really enjoy doing, singing as those people mm-hmm. in a play that's a great play, that's a success. And I'm working with mm-hmm. five other lovely people and with a great writer who I think writes brilliantly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it is an opportunity of a lifetime. And it's something that I hoped would happen, and it has happened. And I didn't have to wait very long for it to happen, which was, is, is even nicer.
2: What about things, you might, I mean, unusual hobbies or...?
1: Um, <laughs> not really. I can't think of any. I mean, I'd like to be able to do sport really well. Mm. You know, I'd like to be able to ski well or water ski or, or horse ride brilliantly. But I just don't have the guts to do that. So, mm. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not sort of brave enough to do any of that, and I just don't don't think it's in me coordination wise and. Bravery wise. Yeah, but I, I mean, I always think it's very impressive when you see somebody who can participate in sporting activities and be marvellous at them, and I was always terrible at them.
2: What would be your, what's a blissful situation for you? What would be your idea of bliss?
1: Whenever I got an opportunity to do a, a huge singing concert, if I was reborn again, mm. to come back as a singer, because I think there must have been no greater thrill than, you know, to feel like somewhere like the Palladium or Carnegie Hall. And um, you know, do a huge concert. It just must be brilliant to have that banging orchestra, mm-hmm. orchestra behind you, and um, just have all those people who knew all your songs. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know. I just, I just think the 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 boost that you must get from that is absolutely incredible.
2: What about making a record? Have you been approached for a recording contract or anything?
1: It'd be difficult because I only sing as other people, so. I'm if I recorded, I'd be singing as Judy Garland. And people might as well buy the originals. Why no. would they want to listen to me doing a cover yeah. version?
2: But you've got no ambition to be your own singer, is it?
1: No, because I don't think my voice is unique enough. The quality of my voice is better when I impersonate. I just can get a better power from it. I just automatically keep reverting to, to impersonating. When I start off in my own voice, I, I end up going into somebody else's and feel a lot more comfortable mm. and better in it. And it does it sound a hell of a lot better. I think to make it as a pop artist and to make it big, you've got to have a really unique sound, and I don't think I could achieve that because I'd want to copy other people.
2: So how do you see it going for your career? Cause how do you want to see it going in five or ten years' time?
1: I mean, if I carry on working as I've worked in these last... Well, I mean, I've enjoyed all my career. Mm. I mean, and it's built gradually, which has been great. But if it carries on the way it's been going, I think it'd be brilliant.
2: Do you like the movies best, the stage bits or television?
1: I like them all. So, I mean, if I can just keep on getting a a happy medium of both, Mm -hmm. of all. You know, I have been looking that I've done an equal amount of, you know, television, film and theatre. And I I think it's important to keep coming back to the theatre because you then get in touch with what the audience wants and Mm -hmm. what they like and what works and what doesn't. You know, I mean, I don't feel like I'm... Even though I've experienced in film yet, I feel like Mm -hmm. I've got a lot more to learn film-wise. So, you know, I, I just want to keep on, you know, playing... Different parts and challenging roles that, that will stretch me, you know, I can just keep on being satisfied with it. I don't want to be pigeonholed.
2: If you hadn't gone into this profession, have you any idea what you would have done?
1: I did think about being a cook at one point, but I'm sure people are very glad that I didn't become one.
2: <laughs> do you think you will live in London? I mean, can you see yourself in a place in the countryside surrounded by pets and things, or in a big family, or how do you view No. It?
1: I think I get too bored. I get bored in the country. Yeah, I will. I mean, when I go home to Lancashire, it's lovely for a short period of time, but I get bored there.
2: Is this what happens with your men as well? You you, you know, you get yeah. bored, you have to. So a lot of broken hearts. In yeah, when way.
1: they cross the boredom threshold, they're out.
2: Really?
1: <laughs> You're so, warming now. please.
2: <laughs> are there a lot of broken hearts out there?
1: There might be. But they've broken my heart as well.
2: Really? Well, you, my heart. Which has happened more often, do you think?
1: Me brilliant now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: really? Could you see yourself married about five years' time, or do you think that's a long way off?
1: I'm hopeful. <laughs>
2: yeah. If you did have children and so on, would you encourage them into this business?
1: Whatever they wanted to do.
2: Yeah. There's
1: no point in your ideas on your kids, because, you know, they'll do what they want to do.
2: Do you worry about getting older? Do you think, gosh, i better be married by the time I'm 35 or something? Or?
1: Well, I don't want to be, end up being an old spinster. Yeah, that thought does make me feel a bit frightened. Mm -hmm.
2: In your business, you know, marriage is not exactly a very secure thing. No, no. not at all.
1: No, it's not. And I mean, there's a hell of a lot of divorce. And I mean, which is understandable, really, because you know, when you think about it, when people are going away filming and that, you know, they're playing love scenes with somebody, they have to get very intimate and close. Mm. You do fall in love with that person to a certain extent, and Mm. a lot of people do take it a stage further and do end up diving into bed with mm. with each other. It's, it's sort of inevitable, really, because that's the business we're in. Mm.
2: How do you feel about love scenes? They make, it make you me
1: scream? laugh. <laughs> seems such a weird situation. Doing <laughs> <It's> something really <religious. laughs> Eight and nine other people in the room <laughs> with instruments. <laughs> um, I usually get very giggly and silly. Mm.
2: But do you tend to get a lot of scripts like that, or do you, do you turn them down because they're too raunchy? Or?
1: No. no, I don't. Most of the, the things that I've had to do sexually-wise, I mean, not, I've not ever done a full frontal or anything like mm. that, but they've usually been pretty off the wall anyway, a bit mm. a bit hard. But um, they haven't worried me unduly, but I haven't had to do that many. I mean, I shouldn't imagine I'm an actress that, that'll come across that a lot. I wouldn't have thought so anyway.
2: You are saying that you, you wouldn't necessarily get that kind of a uh, role and so on. Are you happy with the way you look Do you like your unique image? Are you quite proud of that? Yeah. Or do you wish you looked like Julia Roberts or something?
1: No, I do like my looks. Um, yeah. I'm quite comfortable with them.
2: Mm. What would you be wearing around home if you were just having a casual day?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Slagging around in my dressing gown.
2: <laughs> do you like dressing up a bit for an mm. occasion?
1: Yeah, it depends on the occasion, but yeah, mm. I like dressing up if it's, you know, like, in a ceremony, I like, I like to do the bits. I mean, I love buying clothes. I don't like going out doing endless shopping sprees, but sometimes when I'm really in the mood for it, I'll just go in, I don't know, browns or somewhere like that. Mm. Just, mm. But I love it going into shops like that, because they're, they're really snooty when you walk in. But, like, I, I bought a suit last year, because I won that Los Angeles Critics Award mm. for Life is Sweet, I got a suit from Brown's and, uh, and they, they were really nice in their Actually, they were great and then I went in more recently for a, a suit for another award ceremony and they were very snooty with me and, and sort of ignored me and then I just sort of picked up this suit tried it on and I said yeah i love it and they went Oh, okay. And uh, (laughs) and then I went downstairs into their other department and saw this girl who'd served me before, Mm. and she made a real fuzz of me. Mm. And you could see these other women thinking, Oh, hell, what have we done? What have we done? We've been really rude to this girl. (laughs) But, I mean, I just find shop assistants so jumped up. But I mean, laughably so. It always makes me laugh, because you think, what on earth do you do that makes you so mm. snooty? Mm. I mean, you serve people in a shop, you give, you sell them clothes. It's not that great a feat. Mm. You don't need a, a degree to do it. Why does that make you snooty? Mm. Are
2: you a big spender?
1: No, I'm not a huge spender. I do spend a lot of money on clothes. Mm.
2: You save a lot, though, as well, mm. for a rainy day or mm. for a Ferrari.
1: Yeah, me, not, me northern upbringing again.
2: Is there anything you bought your parents when you made it through, as it were?
1: No, but I'll treat them to a lot of stuff. And I will do if I make a lot of money. Mm. Maybe they will be the first person on the present list.
2: What about the future as you look at it now? I mean, this is, things are going really well for you. I, I imagine you must be you know, very excited about things are going.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just hope this year is as good as it was last year. Um, I mean, that's what I hope, that, that mm. I have as good a year. And that I enjoy it as much as I did last year. Because, um... I think that's what the most important thing. I mean, you can be doing all sorts of work, you know, flashy work, but I mean, if you're not happy, then it's not worth doing. That's what I, I want to keep on being happy. Mm.
2: Come on along, then. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, what's your what's your motto for life? What's what's the message which you live by? I
1: think that's probably it. Yeah, keep cheerful. <laughs>